Oh, good morning, everybody. Wasn't she great? And she's also, that's Haley Scott. Uh, last week, she was elected. I don't know if you're elected. I'm not quite sure how it happens. But she is the princess of the Choctaw Nation of California. So it's a pretty cool honor. And that's our, our Haley Scott. I think that's awesome. Well, how many, happy Mother's Day. I'm glad that you came out, and I'm glad that mom is here with you, so God bless you guys. It's, it's going to be a great day. How many moms can identify with our little drama here? My, yeah, uh, my, my wife's hand like shot up like a million miles an hour for a service, and that's, it's like, yeah, I can, I, can, I can identify strongly with that. This series that we're talking about right now is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit difference. This is life, right? Life is crazy, it's hectic, it stresses you out, but there's something about the Christian faith, and specifically something about the Christian faith when it is empowered by the Holy Spirit, how we are actually ought to live our lives as Christians. It's more than just Bible reading, it's more than just church going, it's more than just tithing. There is a, there's a power that comes along with it. Unfortunately, most Christians don't tap into it. And just be frank. Most of us don't know that it's there. Uh, again, life is difficult with the situation. There's three things that great moms do. There's three ways that they tap into this power of the Holy Spirit that takes them from a broken place on the floor and able to pick themselves up and to carry on and to, to have incredible victory in their lives. The first thing that uh, spirit-filled moms do is that they have an intuition. They have this insight into your life <laughs> that, that is just uncanny. Um, uh, my, my mother and my grandmother and my wife, they're all moms. Um, they know what's going on inside of me all the time. Uh, my mom and my grandma... Whenever I was doing things that I shouldn't be doing in college or in high school or whatever, it's like God told them. It's like he called them up on the phone. Opal, Josh is, not, Josh is misbehaving again. I think you need to have a little chat with him. I, I was once on the other side of the planet. I was, in a, I was in a foreign country, and my grandmother gets a hold of me. Joshy, Joshy. The Holy Spirit's telling me that he's testing your metal right now. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Grandma, leave, leave me alone. And so moms have this, this ability. They have this, uh, this, this intuition, this insight. Uh, the Bible calls it prophetic words. We'll be talking about that in a second. Uh, the next thing that, that uh, empowered moms do, great moms, is that they possess wisdom. How many people agree that it's difficult to find out what is right and what is wrong in this world? Like some things are black and right, white, right? And some things, yeah, you don't run the red light, but other things are kind of gray. It's like, is it, is it Mexican food or is it Chinese? So how do we decide? There is no right answer. And so wisdom is the thing that answers those questions. Wisdom goes beyond knowledge. And a great mom understands this. A great mom is able to discern what is right, what is wrong. A great mom can come into an environment, into a situation, and she can, she can speak peace into a hostile environment. She can, all right, especially moms with, with multiple boys, right? How many people have, how many moms have multiple boys, like two or three or more boys? No, well, maybe. <laughs> But what do boys do? Boys fight, right? Boys fight, and they, they belittle each other, and they, 
They, they pr- play horrible cr- pranks on each other. Boys are really mean. And how, how dads handle bad boys is they say, go out in the backyard and figure it out, right? You just duke it out until somebody stops breathing, and then I'll step in if I need to. But you just go out and take care of your problems. Moms are completely different. Moms can come into a situation where siblings are fighting, and they can breathe peace, peace into it. They have, a, they have an air about them. They can counsel the situation. They have this ability to speak wisdom into it. A mom can see a hurting child and know that this child is, is hurting. And a, and a mom can say, what's the matter? Dads don't get it, right? Dads, have, dads are completely clueless half the time. But a mom knows when their child is hurting. And a mom can speak life into that child's heart. So there's a, there's a wisdom that comes along. There's a, a, an ability to counsel. It's, like, it's a godly counsel. It's like a spiritual counsel that, that godly mothers possess. And then the last thing that an empowered mom has, a great mom has, is that they have a strength. Uh, incredible moms are strong, right? And it actually, it's beyond just being stubborn. It is a spiritual strength that they didn't possess before. And this is the type of strength that picks you off the ground when you're falling apart, when, when your life seems to be shattered and you're just, you're just like, I can't take it anymore. I'm alone and, and I, I'm doing this all by myself. Okay, this is the point where the Holy Spirit comes in and empowers the believing, spirit-filled mom, where she doesn't have to do it by herself, where the counselor and the comforter comes in and gives her strength to fight the amazing thing about Granite Creek moms is that they're a bunch of fighters. I mean, they fight. Like, you cross their kid, and they're gonna, they're, they're gonna, you're going to hear about it. Like, there are, there are ladies in our church that I will not tangle with. I just, you win. You win, okay? And, but this is, this is good. This is a good thing. We have kids, we have moms that have special needs uh, kids, and if they weren't fighting for their kids' rights in the school system, they would not be receiving them right now. There are, there are moms that, that, that see injustice, injustice that's going on, and they're the ones that are picking up the, the sword and fighting. So spirit-filled moms have a spiritual strength, and they fight. Uh, I was, like, struggling. Okay, oh, gosh, I got... I got the Mother's Day message. You know, what Bible story do I tell on Mother's Day? All right, well, I could do, I could do Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. Aren't you glad I'm not doing that today? <laughs> yes? Uh, I could do Mary, the mother of God. We could teach about that. So I've been there, done that. So I was like really racking my brain. Okay, God, what story do I tell? What scripture do we read today? And I went through all of them. I went through all the ladies in the Bible and all the empowered ladies of the Bible. You know who the best is, I think, in my opinion? It's Deborah. It's Deborah. Deborah encompasses all three of these things. She has, an, she has a powerful intuition. Her first title is prophetess. So she's a prophet, and there's only a handful of prophet, women prophets in the Bible, and she's one of them. She has this incredible ability to counsel she knows how to fix problems that aren't necessarily black and white. She sees something, and she's able, she has the wisdom to discern what ought to be done, what God's will is. And she's incredibly strong, and I'm feeding back. Is that me? Can you hear that? There we go. 
Thank you, Patrick. So she possesses all of these things. And so we're going to look at Deborah today. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture. And um, now let's just dig into it. Deborah was, uh, it was the time before the kings, before the great kings of Israel. They are in the promised land. They have no specific leader. And God chose judges to lead the country. And Deborah was the fourth judge. She was the fourth one to come in line. And she's very special. Not only does she possess these three main characteristics, but she's also the only one, I think the only judge that, uh, not only is she a woman, she's the only woman judge, but she's also the only judge that didn't possess some major character flaw. Just think about Samson, great guy, anointed by the Holy Spirit, did incredible things, right? Major character flaw, right? Had a problem with the ladies. Um, Deborah didn't have any of these problems yet. Well, at least they didn't write about them. But let's just look at what she does. So if you want to get your Bibles out, turn to me <clears throat> to Judges chapter 4. And if somebody could get me a glass of water, <laughs> that would be great. Can I? Thank you. Okay, Deborah chapter 4. I'm sorry, Judges chapter 4. She doesn't have her own book. Uh, Judges chapter 4. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Hmm, imagine that. Okay, now Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in a a word I can't pronounce. Thank you. Oh, this is a mom, a great mom, (laughs) taking care of business. Because he had 900 chariots filled with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. All right. You know the story, right? Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. They, you know, God sold them into slavery to the Canaanites. That's not fun. Okay, 20 years. It took them 20 years to call out to the Lord, save us. Hmm? How long does it take for you to call out to the Lord? Oh, I can take care of this problem by myself, right? I'll just, it's my mess. I'll clean it up. I'll take care of the problem myself. 20 years. 20 years. And finally they say, okay, we're going to cry out to the Lord. And God, a good God, hears their cry. Now, Deborah, a prophet or prophetess, the wife of Labadoth, was what? She was leading she was the judge over Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. Okay, so here are all, here's a, here's a big part of those three attributes, the, the four really. Uh, she's one, she's a prophetess. So it tells her that she, she has this intuition, right? She, has, she possesses the intuition. She is the leader. She is the judge. She, is, she holds court. And what kings do when they hold court, they, they listen to your problems. You know, he's, he's, in my, he's on my property, and he's cheating, and all this kind of stuff. 
So this is, the, this is one of the jobs of the king is to, to bring justice to a situation or to judge what, what the complaints are. I, I wouldn't want that job, but she had it. And, and she counseled the people. She led them and she judged their problems. So she was taking care of, she's taking care of business. She, she had this ability to judge. She was, uh, she was functioning in wisdom, right? Verse 6. She sent for Barak, son of Abaddon, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men from Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them to, the Mount, of, to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and, the, and give him into your hands. Okay, these are Canaanites. These are horrible people. These are awful people, and they're power-hungry. And actually, they, they're obsessed with victory. They, they, want, they want victory at any cost. In fact, they wanted victory so bad that they would sacrifice their newborn children to the god of war, Moloch. It was horrible. So these are the type of people that they're up against. These are the type of people that have enslaved them, and now it's time for freedom, and Deborah's the one that's been called to lead. All right, next response will tell you the, the tone of Israel at the time. Barak said to her, Barak is her, is her man, is her, is, he is her commander. If you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. All right. So here, again, we see the last illustration. She is a prophetess. She can see. She understands what God's direction and wisdom is. She's like, time to fight. 20 years is long enough. It's time to fight. It's time for freedom. So she's understanding the will of God. She's understanding that she is fixing people's problems, in a sense. She's shepherding people. And lastly, she takes on strength. She's saying, let's go to war. She's calling them to war. She calls her commander, Barak, come on in to my office. Let's set up, let's, let's, let's set up some battle plans and let's go to war. What's his response? I'll go if you go. Hmm? I'll go if you go. So this is, um, this, is the, this is the culture at the time of Israel. This is the, this is the situation. This is, this is the negative thing that's keeping these people down. And this is how she responds. She says, Because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Ouch. What is she really... What's his course? What is Barak's course? Is he like... Doing naughty things? No. Is he going places where God hasn't called him to go? No. There is no physical action that Barak is, is doing that is, that is a bad course. The bad course is the way that he's thinking. And the way that he is thinking, he's possessed by a passive mind. He's saying, look, if you really want to do this, I'll get involved if, if you lead it. But um, I, you know what? I really don't want to get involved in this. I don't want to take the responsibility. And she says, because of this mindset that you have, we're going to win, by the way. We're going to defeat these guys, by the way. 
but you're not going to get the honor. Do you know that we're set up to win? Christians are set up to win. And we will win. But if you have this passive spirit, you might not receive the honor. Somebody else might reap your honor because of this, you know what, I really, you know what, I don't want to fully commit unless I get your 100% support behind me on this. I don't want to risk the failure of it. And once we do that, once we take this passive spirit, uh, God will, he will remove the honor. He will let someone else reap that. We don't want that in our lives. But that was Barak's fate. That was Barak's fate because basically he was a coward. And again, it is the overall tone of what's going on in Israel. She says, certainly I'll go with you. So Deborah not only is a prophetess, a a judge, a person of wisdom, she's also becoming a person of strength and a person of action. And she moves from being, you know, let's say the president into a field commander. She doesn't have to do this. She moves into the field with Barak. I, you know, I, we don't know for sure, but in my wild imagination, uh, she's, she's like going Joan of Arc on us. She's putting on armor. She's getting a sword. She is in the field. Like there is a risk to her life. She could have stayed in, you know, in the castle. She could have stayed protected. She could have given, given orders through the mail or whatever. No, she chooses to engage in the field because she's got a weak commander. She's got a passive commander. And so she goes in, and she's willing to fight. And again, I, I think that, you know, she probably had armor on. She was like, like the Xena warrior princess, right? I, I, that's, my again, my imagination. That's not in the Bible. I'm making that up. Sorry. I tend to do that. Okay. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh there. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 men with, with him under his command. Deborah also went with him. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. She's speaking prophetically. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance... The Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and and army as far as that other word I can't pronounce. And all of Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenant, uh, because there was an alliance between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the family of Hebor, the Canaanite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered the tent. She covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he says. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, covered him up. Stand at the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes and asks you, is anyone here? Just say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he was fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the tent peg through his temple into the ground 
and he died. That's awesome. <laughs> so, okay, again, this is, why didn't she just call in some soldiers to do the job? She got her hands dirty. Interesting, huh? Okay. Just then, Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera. Then Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. Okay, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Ruth, they're teaching Sunday school right now, and they're on the same lesson, and they're, you know, they're making little crafts, this tent peg and this hammer. <laughs> no? That's not funny? <laughs> so. It's not in VBS either, okay. Uh, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty graphic stuff, right? This is pretty uh, brutal stuff. And what's the point of the tent peg lady, right? Uh, this is God driving his point home. What was the prophetic word? The prophetic word was, okay, you don't get the honor. It's going to go to a woman. And, of course, Deborah, she's the field commander. She's the, she's the judge of the nation. She's the, ma- she's the maximum leader. But God wanted to communicate this thing literally. So he had a woman slaughter, beat this guy's brains in, basically. He wanted to make a point of it. He wanted to emphasize it. Yes, this honor could have been yours, but it was not just figuratively given to a woman, Deborah. It was literally given to Jael. Interesting, huh? All right. So again, we see her speak prophetically. All right. Verse 23. On this day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. Forty years of peace follows. So there's, 40 is a special number in the Bible. So what's it saying? It's saying, look, this victory... This well-led campaign and this victory, it brought a huge season of peace. Forty years. There was a, there was a completeness to it. Like, a good thing happened. There was 20 years of slavery. There was 40 years of peace because of, of one leader. Deborah is, um, again, I think she's, obviously she's very special. She is... Um, her name actually li- translates into bee, or the bee. So she's the bee, so she's like this little stinger. She's like the first Mary Kay lady. You know, the, 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 that's the symbol of Mary Kay, right? The bumblebee, right? So it, physically, it, like, it's impossible, supposedly it's impossible for this bumblebee to fly because if its body is so ginormous and its wings are so small, it's impossible, so, but it still happens anyway. And it, it would seem to be impossible for a woman leader, to do what she did. And here's the, here's the irony of this, this whole thing that, that's in the Bible, is it, it's a very short section, right? It, it, it's very powerful, and it's very you know, specific. And there's no one else like Deborah. And she goes down as the mother of Israel. That's how they begin to refer to her, is the mother of Israel. And, you know, as far as I know, um, 
There's nothing in there that talks about her having any offspring. It says she was married, but it doesn't say she has any kids. As far as I could find out, there was no genealogies, are there? So maybe she had a kid, maybe she didn't. I don't know. But the Israelites refer to her as the mother of Israel. And as far as I know, uh, nobody has taken the title of the father of Israel. There's, you know, that doesn't go to Moses or anybody else. But we have a mother of Israel. So this is a very important point that they're making. And in Judges, this is chapter 4, it kind of it gives you the history. It tells you what's going on. But immediately after Judges chapter 4, we have Judges chapter 5, and we break into the song of Deborah. This is a victory song. This is a, this is a victory chant. And what's important about it, first of all, it happened immediately, probably the day of their victory. So they have this incredible victory, and Deborah has it in her mind to say, let's praise God. Let's thank God. And the, and these, the ancient victory songs are, are, are great. They're, um, it's, a, it's akin to... Um, any Monty Python fans here? Okay, uh, the, um, the Holy Grail movie, you know, where the kings are invading the castle and the French are in the castle mocking them, you know, taunting them. Okay, that's not too far from the truth. That's how these guys actually talk to each other. I mean, they would, they would taunt each other. They would humiliate each other. They would send each other nasty letters and vulgar letters, and, and they would just humiliate, oh, I beat you, I, I, you know, and they say all kinds of horrible things. And this, so this is Deborah's victory letter of, of that tone. So this is her chance to, I don't know, I can't say rub it in. I can't quite say that. But she is making some powerful statements, and this is dictated. This poem is it's, it's a very important poem. It's one of the oldest that we have in the Bible. It's one of the oldest poems that we have in the Bible. Historically, it is the top three historical records of a warrior woman. As, as being the oldest of, an, of a warrior woman. Uh, there were two Egyptian queens that, that got involved in military uh, tactics, and they, have a, there was a, they found a stone that had, you know, Queen uh, Aptep, I can't pronounce her name either, uh, you know, she, she led, a, she led a, a charge one day. So they have that on the stone, and then there's a Chinese uh, a queen, empress wife, who led 3,000 men. Deborah led 10,000 men in the field. And it's the, it's, it's the, so it's the third oldest record of a warrior woman. And they included it in the Bible. I think that's pretty cool. It's one of the, again, it's one of the oldest poems that we have. And structurally, it is a masterpiece. The Song of Deborah is a masterpiece. It's a master poem. And so I got to read it. It's Mother's Day. And on Mother's Day, you read poems, right? So here's your choice. We could read the most, the coolest epic poem by Deborah, or we could read Proverbs 31, which is the virtuous woman, about how the woman has to get up before the sun comes up, and she works 20 hours a day, and she feeds her kids and makes a million dollars and takes care of her husband. Which one do you want to read? Want to read the cool poem about the warrior princess? <laughs> Chris is shaking his head no. All right. Let's read it. So it's a little long, but bear with me. It's, again, it's Mother's Day. We're going to read poems. The Song of Deborah. On that day, Deborah and Barak sang this song. When the princesses in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hear this, 
you kings. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. This is Deborah talking. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Sarah, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the one on Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shagmar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Okay, listen to this part. Travelers took to the winding paths. Villagers in Israel would not fight. This is the tone of the country. This is the tone of the Israelites. They're not fighting. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose. Here we go. A mother in Israel. A mother in Israel is what Israel needed. They needed a woman. They needed a prophetess. They needed somebody that had wisdom. And they needed a fighter. They needed somebody with a spiritual mother's heart. And they got it. A mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates. But not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. So they had 40,000 40, warriors. Only 10,000 showed up to fight. My heart is with Israel's princesses, with willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. Then the people of the Lord went down to the city gates. Wake up, wake up, Deborah, wake up, wake up, break out in song. Arise, Barak. You know, when you're down, when you're having this experience that Haley had, wake up. Get up. Get up, is what he's saying. Arise, Barak. Take captive your captives. You have won the war, but you've not taken captive your captives. We have won. We, 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 we've won. But we keep on letting other people take our honor. The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Some came from Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek. Benjamin with, was with the people who followed. From Machir, captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear the, a commander's staff. So he's recruiting great people. The princesses of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, set under his command into the valley. Okay, here's the beautiful part about this poem. It's all about contrasts. So he's talking about, she's talking about all the people that came up, that showed up. All the, all the folks that, that showed up for battle. Now, here's the contrast. In the district of Reuben, there was, there was much searching of the heart. Oh, I need to, I need to search my heart. I don't, know, I don't know if we should go to war. I don't know if we should set ourselves free. Let me, let me pray about this. Let me just think about this for a while. Let me search my heart. Let me think if I, if I want to remain in slavery or if I want to fight for my freedom. Let me search my heart for this. That's what the Reubenites are saying. 
Why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear whistling for the flocks? In the district of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves, nice and safe. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives. You see the contrast? While people were in their safe harbors, others were risking their very lives. So did Naphtali on the, on the terraced fields. They fought. Kings came. They fought. The kings of Canaan fought. At Tanakh, by the waters of Megiddo, they took no plunder. They lost. From the heavens, the stars fought. Okay, catch that? From the heavens, the stars fought. You know, in the historical account that we read before the poem, uh, who won the battle? Barak and Deborah won the battle. The, the, everybody was slaughtered by the sword. There wasn't one, pers- one person standing except for Sisera who, who, who weaseled off and escaped. Everybody was slaughtered. But in the poem, in Deborah's song, she says God's the one that fought the battle in heaven. It was fought among the stars. The victory got, was manifested in the physical, but the battle was won in heaven. And she's acknowledging that. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept them away, the age-old, the age-old river, the river of Kishon. March on, my soul, and be strong. You hear what Deborah's saying? She's saying, march on, my soul. This was, this was written before the Psalms. This is probably where David got, why are you quiet, disquieted, oh, my soul? David speaks to his own soul. He speaks to his own emotions. He probably got it from Deborah's song. Deborah said, march on, my soul. I need to get my emotions under control. I need to pick myself up off the floor. Why am I depressed, oh, my soul? She's speaking to herself. March on, get off the floor, let's fight. Let's skip to verse 24. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of tent-dwelling women. He asked for water, and she, gave him, and she gave him milk and a bowl fit for nobles. She brought it to him, curled milk. Her hand reached for the, the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. At her feet he sank. He fell. There he lay. At her feet he sank. He fell. Where he sank... There he fell dead. Okay, here comes another really interesting contrast. Through the window peered Sisera's mother. Behind the lattice, in her safe environment, I added that. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why is the clatter of his chariots delayed? The wisest of his ladies answered, Indeed, she keeps saying to herself, Are not... Finding and dividing the spoils, a woman or two for each man. Colorful garments and plunder for Sisera. Colorful garments embroidered, highly embroidered garments for my neck. All this is plunder. Where is my plunder? 
the contrast is between this really feisty woman, Jael, who actually takes matters into her own hands, and this woman in her safe house wondering why her son isn't bringing riches home. She's whining and she's complaining. The other woman is taking the situation by force. There's Deborah's making a very powerful contrast between two people. So many, so may all your enemies perish, Lord, but may all who love you be like the sun. When it rains, it is in its strength. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Okay, so there's your Bible message. There you go. There's the word of God for you guys. I mean, again, this is an amazing woman who was able to possess intuition, wisdom, and strength. It's something that we all ought to be praying for. The amazing thing about this chapter, these two chapters, I believe it's a miracle that they're in the Bible. Because like, this is a patriarchal society. This is a very man-heavy society. I mean, it's, it's, it's biblical. I mean, it, I mean it's, just, it's just the way that it is. I guarantee you there was some insecure scribe that said, do we really have to include this story about Deborah? about Xena warrior princess, about how wimpy Barak was? Do we really have to include that in? Can we just leave it out? And the Holy Spirit says, no, you write it down because it's that important. You write this story down about, about a woman that became all of these things because she's got a, she's got a lesson to teach. And so the, the incredible thing, the incredible honesty about our book is that Deborah is in here to begin with. That is the honesty of the Bible. Most books probably wouldn't would exclude something like this because it, empowering a woman in ancient time, we just don't do that. But the Holy Spirit says you include this story because it's got a lesson to teach. There was an honor that happened. They loved Deborah. She was the mother of Israel. That's your Bible story. Now let's talk about some practical things real quick. There are I got seven things that you can do to love your mother, to honor your mother. And Patrick, if we could bring all seven up on the screen real quick. All right, you need to love your mom verbally. You need to tell mom, mom, I love you. And that might be difficult. I mean, if your mom's not around, uh, say it in a prayer. I don't, that, that, that's a little weird. No, don't do that. Um, but, you know, if your mom's around, say, mom, I love you. She needs to hear your affirmation. She needs to hear it from your mouth. So today, if you have an opportunity, say, mom, I love you. Uh, you need to love mom physically. You need to give her a hug. You need to show some affections. This is hard for guys to do. I mean, it's just, you know, guys are guys. See, aw. <laughs> you need to show your moms in your life that you love them. You need to physically embrace them. You need to be patient with your mom. Why? Because she was incredibly patient with you. Right? So be patient with your mom. Don't lose your patience with your mom. She has put up with you for a long time. Like, I got an amen. So be patient with your mom. Be attentive to your mom. Look, you need to attend to your mom's needs. Mom, what do you need? Can I help you? What can I do to help you? Uh, you need to love her gratefully. Like, all, we're all human, but I guarantee you your mom has done something like, I don't know, giving birth to you that you ought to be grateful for. I, uh, 
I had this weird, I'm sorry, you just got to go with me for a second. I had this weird thought in college that you know, I wanted to experience life and experience it to the full. So I felt gypped that I couldn't like, have a child. Like, that's just not fair, God, that women get to experience childbirth, but men don't. And then, and then I experienced my wife giving birth. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I don't have to do that. So be grateful. Uh, generously give. Your mom has given to you so generously. Be extremely generous. And honor your moms. On Mother's Day, we ought to honor our moms. Um, it, ought to, it ought to come from the heart. It ought to be taken in all sincerity. It, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's the, only, it's the only commandment that comes with the promise. Honor your mother and father, and it will be well with you, and you're going to live long. That's a pretty good deal. If you honor your mother and father, you will live long. It will be well with you. It's the only Ten Commandments that has, a, that has a blessing to it. And so, honoring our mothers, praying for our mothers, blessing our mothers, when they display those three attributes of, of intuition, of wisdom, of, of, of strength, remind your mom of what she did. Mom, remember the day that you, that you came in and you saved me, you scooped me off the ground? Mom, remember that day when I was really naughty and you knew about it? Thank you. Thank you for stepping in and saving me. All right, I got this video and then we'll be done. go to church with jelly all over our face, can we? <laughs> oh, my, oh, my goodness. What are you doing with that snake? You go put that snake back in the hole right now. Oh, good, buddy. Yeah. Way to go. All right, buddy. Hey. Oh, oh buddy. You okay? You Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord. Hey, Mom. Mommy needs just a minute. Please. Hey, Mom. I think you look pretty no matter what. Even when your hair looks really weird.
straight there and come right back. What'd she say? <laughs> Welcome to the family. I'm so happy for you. Hey, Mom. Where's that grandbaby? <laughs> oh, yes, he is. Oh, yeah, nice to see you, too. You know, I was thinking just the other day about what a wonderful mom you are. I mean, God, God really blessed me with a great lady. You're, you're my mom. You've always been there for me. <laughs> Even when I didn't want you to be. <laughs> and nobody ever believed in me like you do. Thank you. I love you, Mom. And I love you, son. All right. Hey. If I could have the band and the ushers come on up to the front, and as they're on their way up, I'm going to send you home with one other thought. Uh, as Jesus was on the cross facing death, facing three days of eternity in hell for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, he does something very interesting. He looks down at John and he says, John, this is my mom, and I want you to take care of her. See how important moms are? They're so important that Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh says, John, I want you to take care of my mom. I'm entrusting her into your hands. So love your moms. You've got a great lady in your life. This church is full of great ladies, these warrior princesses, these prophetess judges. Warriors, field commanders, they fight for their kids, they fight for their husbands and their families, and they're amazing. 
Let's pray. God, right now, we just thank you so much for the work that you did. We thank you so much for the love of your mother, the greatest woman on the planet. God, we want to follow your lead in respecting and honoring our mother. God, we want to follow the example of Deborah, of a spirit-filled, empowered woman where nothing can shake her confidence, nothing can shake her resolve, where she can see your will, she'll know what to do, she'll know the right thing to do, and she'll have the power to act upon it. I pray that for all of us. Pray right now that you just bless this offering and bless our day with our moms.